Welcome, everybody listening to another episode of the Sean Sports Podcast. This is episode number 311. It is Monday, November 30th, and that means that yesterday was Football Sunday, so we have a lot to talk about alongside some basketball, some college sports. Before I get into all that, I want to thank you for listening. I want to thank Crimson IT for sponsoring today's podcast episode. If you or someone you know has a smaller, medium-sized company that needs managed IT services, hit them up, let them know that you found them through my podcast, and you'll get a great deal on whatever you may be interested in. And yeah, with all that said, let's get right into it, starting with the NFL. Uh, The NFL has fined New England Patriots $350,000 for violating the league's COVID-19 protocols in October. According to NFL Network, the punishment comes from when Cam Newton, the quarterback, tested positive for the coronavirus, eventually leading to more players being placed on the reserve-slash-COVID-19 list. The league was forced to delay its Week 4 game against the Kansas City Chiefs, which was played without Cam Newton, while the scheduled Week 5 matchup against the Denver Broncos was moved to Week 6. Newton later explained that his time in the facility created problems for everyone else once he tested positive, according to the Providence Journal, saying, quote, I think the biggest scare here for everybody was just, I guess, daily routine of how many hours I put in the facility, and if I contracted it, if anybody would have had a red flag, I think it would have been me. Here's a person who's here as long as he is. Who was he around? Who did he touch? And I was more concerned about it because I didn't want to put nobody else on the team in jeopardy for this. He also said Stephon Gilmore later testing positive was his, quote, worst nightmare. The NFL began investigating whether the team followed protocols shortly after the first positive test, according to Pro Football Talk. Um, And speaking of COVID, there will be more punishments handed out by the NFL to talk about later in the episode. But to me, this just shows that this just shows how dedicated Um, this just shows how dedicated he is and I don't really understand why they're getting fined for a positive test. That's how, I don't see how that's a bad thing. If he violated protocols, that's one thing. If he went against the rules that the NFL set forth and they agreed to, that's one thing. But for him testing, for him getting fined just because he tested positive, because we don't know if he violated protocols, they're still doing an investigation. Uh, transitioning to more football the nfl long resistant to the idea of a bubble is now warming up to the idea because um there are lots of covid cases according to nfl network the league is considering quote local bubbles for playoff teams that would see teams isolate in hotels for the playoffs until their elimination any bubble idea would still need approval from the nflpa this is similar very similar to the bubble idea that was implemented by the nba for the 2019-20 uh, playoffs. NFL Chief Medical Officer Dr. Alan Sills told reporters in October the league does not feel bubbles are quote safest course of action for us. That comment seemed at odds with science at the time. And the NBA, NHL, and MLS they've successfully pulled off bubbles while mitigating the spread of COVID-19 among players and staff. But they are warming up to the idea now that they have more positive tests. Uh, the Ravens and Steelers have. Um, suffered outbreaks this week and obviously there have been lots of schedule changes throughout the whole season because of positive covid tests um so yeah switching gears to more basketball uh, excuse me more football don't know what i was thinking there uh the nfl reportedly denied a request by the denver broncos to sign offensive quality control coach rob calabrese to their active roster for sunday's game against the new orleans saints um i'll cover what happened Later on in the episode, it was something I talked about this on a previous episode, how the Broncos didn't have a single quarterback to play. And they they literally, they literally, according to this report, literally tried to put offensive quality control coach 
as their starting quarterback. Um, I mean, he would have given them the best chance uh, because he played he played quarterback um, and wide receiver at UCF from 28 to 2012, but that's eight years ago. He threw 254 collegiate passes, recording almost 1,300 yards and 12 touchdowns against seven interceptions. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll get into I'll get into who who started the game later on in the episode. But this was crazy. How how crazy would it be for a coach to start a quarterback for an NFL team in an actual game? That would be unbelievable. Uh, crazier than what actually happened. But first, we have some news on the world and the Saints. Alongside the Patriots, they have also been fined, but they've been fined $500,000 and docked a seventh-round draft pick for not wearing masks during their postgame celebration after their Week 9 win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Adam Schefter reported the Saints have appealed the punishment. New Orleans is considered a repeat offender of the NFL's COVID-19 policies. Honestly, it seems like the NFL is a little too strict with the policies. To me, it boils down to this. I don't understand how the players can play an entire football game in very close contact and proximity, not being in a bubble, um, and it's okay. But then if they celebrate a win in the locker room without a mask, um, then they get fined half a million dollars. To me, that's egregious. You know, you either need to make it, make them wear masks um, throughout the game, or I, I, it's just, it doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. On November the 3rd, the NFL sent out a memo requiring players and coaches to wear masks at all times when they are not on the field, including in the locker room. Several New Orleans players were shown without masks in the postgame celebration after a 35-point win over the Buccaneers. I mean, you just beat Tom Brady and the Buccaneers by 35 points. The last thing you're thinking about is putting on a mask to celebrate. I mean, you're you're happy, you want to celebrate. So I think it's a, a, um, it's a little agree. Transitioning to more football, there's, there are multiple... Um, females, one in the NFL, one in college that have made revolutionary breakthroughs as far as football. Here is the first one. Chief of Staff Callie Brownson will serve as the Cleveland Browns or served as the Cleveland Browns tight end coach. Served served as the Cleveland Browns tight ends coach for Sunday's game against the Jacksonville Jaguars, making her the first female interim position coach in the history of the NFL. Current tight ends coach Drew Petsing did not travel with the team after his wife gave birth to the couple's first child. Bronson is in her first season with the Browns, having joined the team after spending time with the Buffalo Bills as a full-time intern and two seasons at Dartmouth as an offensive quality control coach. She began her coaching career as an intern with the New York, New York Jets. Um, Browns coach Kevin Stefanski highlighted some of her best qualities in January, saying, quote, I think she's a go-getter. She's self-motivated. She's going to put all her energy into this gig. What's exciting for me is ultimately I want to develop young coaches. She's someone that has worked on the offensive side of the ball, worked on special teams, has a great knowledge of the game, and I want to let her expand that knowledge and develop her as a head coach. Um, the NFL's policy for the 2020 season dictates that teams must declare when a coach is not going to be with the club for game day and formally announce his or her replacement, which they did. So it's awesome to see she's the first woman in the history of the NFL to be a position coach, and that's it's, it's pretty cool. Switching gears to more football. This is um, college. Well, it's both college and the NFL. LSU season is going nowhere fast following a 3-4 and four start, and wide receiver Terrace Marshall Jr. decided it's time to focus on the next step. He declared for the 2021 NFL Draft, saying, quote, Since a kid to play in the NFL and to retire my parents has been my number one mission. After careful consideration, but with faith, I've decided to declare for the 2021 NFL Draft. He was, he's been one of the only bright spots for the LSU Tigers this season. He has 48 catches for 731 yards and 10 touchdowns after hauling in 13 touchdowns last season for a much stronger team. 
already 10 this year. That's very impressive. The junior is a matchup nightmare for op opposing cornerbacks since, since he's a six foot three wide receiver. Um, so whoever's going to pick him up, he's going to have a great wide receiver in the NFL. And with that, we are switching gears to more football, 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 football. There will be some other topics, but it's going to be mostly football on today's episode. The Jacksonville, the Jacksonville Jaguars are making a change after Sunday's 27 to 25 loss to the Cleveland Browns, dropping the Jacks to one and 10 on the year. They have fired general manager Dave Caldwell. I'm not really sure what they've been doing in recent years. They made the AFC Championship game in 2018 with a with one of the best defense with arguably the best defense in the NFL that year. Just two years later, it's as if that never happened, as if it was a glitch in the matrix. The Jaguars are back to being the Jaguars. They're one in ten on the year. They traded away everyone. Traded away Blake Bortles has been gone. Uh, he wasn't good, but Leonard Fournette has gone. Jalen Ramsey. And there were more that I that I can't remember off the top of my head. I believe Tom Coughlin is gone as well. Um, you know, had Gardner Minshew been the quarterback for the Jaguars in 2018, I think they might have beat the Patriots in the AFC Championship game. They they might have made a run at the Super Bowl. Uh, it would have been how how crazy to think that the Jacksonville Jaguars and Philadelphia Eagles, two of the worst teams in the NFL right now, just two years ago, were legitimate Super Bowl contenders. Anyway, back to the Jaguars. Though Caldwell is out, head coach Doug Marone is safe with the NFL Network reporting that, quote, owner Shad Khan informed Doug Marone and his staff they are secure for the rest of the season. There's no point in getting a new coach right now. This ship has sailed for any kind of playoffs. He can just ride out the rest of the year. There's no point in in doing that, in my opinion. Um but with a, with a new GM likely to want to hire his own head coach, Marone may not have a future in Jacksonville beyond 2020 unless the new GM and Marone hit it off. Caldwell is now the fourth GM to be canned this season alone, joining the Houston Texans' Bill O'Brien, Detroit Lions' Bob Quinn, who I covered on the previous episode, and Atlanta Falcons. Positioning back to the Broncos and their crazy quarterback situation, Denver Broncos head coach Vic Fangio said he was unhappy with quarterbacks Drew Locke, Brett Ripien, and Blake Bortles after all three were in, were ineligible to play in Sunday's 31-3 loss to the New Orleans Saints because they failed to follow the NFL's COVID-19 protocols. Quote, I was disappointed on several levels that our quarterbacks put us in that position, that our quarterbacks put the league in that position. We count on them to be the leaders of our team, the leaders of our offense, and those guys made a mistake. According to Pro Football Talk's Mike Florio, surveillance video footage from the Broncos quarterback meeting room showed, quote, an issue with the quarterbacks properly wearing their masks. I wonder what the issue was. Probably that they weren't wearing them. The team reportedly shared that information with the NFL, leading to the entire position group being placed on the reserve slash COVID-19 list. Um, with no quarterbacks on the roster, the team turned to the coaching staff. I, I talked about that. They wanted uh, Rob Calabrese to play. The NFL did not allow that to happen, saying, quote, that the Broncos could not activate a coach to their active roster. The league doesn't want coaching staffs being storage areas for for potential players. That's actually a very good point. Um, that would be a very messy situation if the NFL made an exception for the Broncos. Because imagine you... It, it would just be insane. Imagine you have um, Patrick Mahomes become, become a coach for the rest of the season. And then you activate him to play in the playoffs. It would create all kinds of ungodly scenarios. Uh, so instead of a, instead of starting an assistant coach at quarterback, a sentence that could only be written in 2020, 
the team turned to practice squad receiver Kendall Hinton, who played quarterback at Wake Forest in his college career. Um, but he didn't take a single snap in practice in the NFL at quarterback. He finished the game one of nine for 13 yards and two interceptions. He did manage a single completion. He was sacked one time, forced into a one-dimensional offense. The Broncos, as a team, managed only 112 yards from scrimmage and only six first downs. It's, I believe it was like the first, first time since the late 90s that an NFL team had no completions through the first half of a game. It was unbelievable. I mean, nothing but, but respect uh, to Kendall, Hunt, Kendall Hinton, though. I mean, he was put into an impossible situation. Short of taking someone um, just off the street, someone like me, or just anyone that has no experience playing professional football, um, he was dealt the, the hardest hand he possibly could, and he tried his best. So I think um, people should show him respect for that, and they have been. Um, to put into perspective how little offense the Broncos showed against the Saints, five running backs this week have had more than 112 rushing yards by themselves, and seven receivers thus far have posted at least 112 receiving yards. Tyree Kill alone posted 269 receiving yards that's almost triple the Broncos total offense in week 12 but you know they had not they didn't have a single quarterback and as far as Vic Fangio being disappointed in his QBs he should be I mean you have three quarterbacks all three of them are not wearing masks all three of them put themselves not only on a football level but on a health level them and the, and the people around them at risk and on a football level, they completely, completely screwed the team over. But although the Broncos are a losing team this year, so it doesn't really matter. But it's, it is kind of crazy, this whole situation. Switching gears to more football. Kansas City Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes earned his second straight win over, over Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback Tom Brady. And his sixth straight win this year by leading the Chiefs to a 27-24 road win on Sunday. The Buccaneers uh, keep their losing ways going. Tyree Kill... Had a record-setting day, as I just mentioned, 269 yards. The Chiefs are now 10 and 1. Um, yeah, I mean, 200, 203 of the 269 came in the first half. That's unbelievable. That's a pace of 406 yards. Um, it's the most receiving yards ever for a player against the Buccaneers, surpassing a record previously held by Julio Jones. Uh, two late touchdowns from Brady to wide receiver Mike Evans brought Tampa, uh, who are now seven and five, back within three points. But the Chiefs were able to hold them off. Very similar to the Rams at 49ers game, which I'll talk about in a second. Patrick Patrick Mahomes was sensational, 37 to 49, 462 yards, three touchdowns. Tom Brady was better than last week against the Rams, but he was still not very good. 27 to 41, 345 yards, three touchdowns, and two interceptions. The turnovers have been biting Brady and the Bucks in the ass lately. So the Chiefs are looking. Great, but they're still behind the uh, they're still behind the 11 and 0 or the 10 and 0 Pittsburgh Steelers. They play the Ravens on Tuesday. Talked about that previously. Transitioning to another big matchup for most of the 2020 season, the San Francisco 49ers have um, looked the part of an object lesson. I mean, they've just haven't looked like a like a winning team this year, and that's that can be attributed to the fact that their whole team was injured for the whole year. Uh, I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo, Nick Bosa, George Kittle, so many guys going down, Mozart, uh, Debo Samuel. Um, so yeah, the, the 49ers in week 12, they beat the Los Angeles Rams. So that was uh, that was huge for them. Unfortunate for the Rams. I mean, I really wanted that win as a Rams fan. I, it's a huge rivalry. The Rams were coming off a winning streak, beating the Tampa, Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Seattle Seahawks in recent weeks. So, you know, everyone wrote off the 49ers, myself included. Um, it was a horrible game for Jared Goff in the offense. They almost came back in the end, but Robbie Good kicked a game-winning field goal on the road to give the Niners the win and perhaps keep their playoff hopes alive. I'm not sure if they have a chance. I think they do. 
they're now I think at like five and six. The Rams are seven and four. As there is or yeah, seven are they seven and four? Yeah, they had a bye week and the Buccaneers didn't. The Rams are seven and four now. And um with that, guess what? There's more football to talk about. The NFL announced today that three week sixteen week sixteen games will be played on Saturday, December 26th, headlined by an online-only game, excluding local broadcast stations between the San Francisco 49ers and Arizona Cardinals. So 1 p.m. Eastern, it's the Buccaneers at the Lions on NFL Network. At 4.30 Eastern, it's the Niners at the Cardinals on Amazon Prime Video and Twitch. That's the online-only game. And then at 8.15 Eastern, it's the Dolphins and Raiders. All three games feature at least one team currently over 500, likely ensuring significant playoff implications for the final week. Um, or the second final week of the season, second to last. Uh, the latest update gives the NFL four straight days of games. The Minnesota Vikings and New Orleans Saints are scheduled to play on Christmas Day. That will be followed by the three games on Saturday and then 11 games as part of the normal Sunday uh, schedule. The Buffalo Bills will play the Patriots on Monday in Foxborough to close out the week. Sunday will feature several big games, including matchups between the AFC's Indianapolis Colts and Pittsburgh Steelers. That's huge. And the NFC's Seattle Seahawks and Los Angeles Rams. Also huge, two huge rivalries, too. Uh, huge implications in the playoff races. And speaking of playoff races, we're transitioning to even more football here. Um, for all intents and purposes, the Green Bay Packers have crowned themselves the kings of the NFC North as winter nears. Uh, they dismantled the Chicago Bears 41-25 to in primetime. The, the Packers are now 8-3. The Bears are 5-6. and six. They had a decent start, but they've been losing quite a bit. They're tied with the Minnesota Vikings, who clawed their way back into the uh, conversation. While the Detroit Lions reset earlier in the weekend by, as I mentioned earlier, and covered firing Bob Quinn and head coach Matt Patricia. So it was a great game for Rodgers and the Packers and a horrible one for Mitch Trubisky and the Chicago Bears. Switching gears to, you guessed it, more football. Now this one, I don't know what to think about this. I may get, I may, I may get a lot of hate for this. For those of you that don't know, Sarah Fuller played soccer at Vanderbilt University. She also became the first woman to play Division I football. Um, she was a kicker, so she played soccer and she was a kicker on the football team. And she has now been named SEC Special Teams Player of the Week after making history Saturday against Missouri. She became the first woman to appear in a major conference football game when she kicked off to start the second half. No, now I don't know that i mean she didn't do anything let's let's just say it how it is she kicked she kicked off once to start the second half and that's all she, and it was a horrible kick mind you it wasn't like a decent kick or a great kick or a normal kick it was a god-awful kick vanderbilt lost 41 to 0 uh so there were no other opportunities for her to to kick because that's her only position um i mean I mean, I don't know. I think from a from a maybe I'm a little harsh because from a strategic and game standpoint, it was a good kick in the fact that there was no return. But judging by the by how the kick looked, it wasn't the best. So she joined the football team following a run as goalkeeper for the Vanderbilt women's soccer team, which won the SEC championship this season. So she's obviously a very gifted athlete, um, being a being the starting goalie for a Division One championship women's soccer team the commodore's coaching staff reached out for a tryout last week after being shorthanded at the position because of covid19 and she earned her spot it's honestly awesome and they reached out to her which speaks volumes 
uh, saying, quote, honestly, it's just so exciting. She said after the game, the fact that I can represent all the girls out there that have wanted to do this or thought about playing football or any sport, really, and it encourages them and it encourages them to be able to step out and do something big like this. It's awesome. Florida punt returner Kadarius Tony was named the conference's other special teams player of the week. I'm sure he actually did something to earn that honor. Now, I may sound like a hater. I may may sound bitter. But to me, when they talk about gender equality and they talk about equality in other aspects, this right here seems like the, the, the literal definition of sexism. I mean, she, she, yes, she made history, and it's awesome. It's awesome that she has this opportunity and that she was able to play in this game, and hopefully she'll be able to play more and, and kick field goals and, kick, and do kickoffs. But when she kicks the ball once, and it wasn't even the best of kicks, I don't understand how she could be the SEC player of the week. I understand that it's more of a, more of a, um, how do I say this? More of a, um, just stat, stat is kind of like, she made history, let's give her the award. But the award is based on someone's performance and what they do in the game, you know? The I don't know, maybe maybe I'm wrong. I'd like to hear you guys' opinion on this. I think, bottom line is, it's historic, it's amazing, but one the player of the week believe it or not we are switching gears to basketball it sounds crazy but we are the only non-football story of this episode under armor and stephen curry on monday announced the launch of an offshoot apparel division curry brand which is set to debut debut its shoes on december 11th the brand which is similar to michael jordan's jordan brand and his relationship with nike will feature apparel for several sports most notably basketball and golf no surprise about basketball for those of you that don't know stephen curry is a very good golfer as well but as I mentioned on a previous episode, he and um, Peyton Manning lost to Charles Barkley and Phil Mickelson in the match three. But going back to this, Curry said, quote, obviously basketball is the no brainer in my expression of what I do best. But when it comes to golf and when it comes to running and training and when it comes to other sports, that is part of my experience growing up. He told this to Jarrell Harris of Sports Illustrated. He continued by saying, quote, I always played other sports, got exposed to a lot of different skill sets and people, and that was big in my development. I feel like whatever a kid is interested in, we want to be able to present an opportunity to kind of live that out. We're going to start with basketball, and we want to make sure we have the product, programming, and the, and the arenas they would be able to go to and participate and hopefully scale out and brand out from there. The Curry brand will make a significant investment in youth sports, partnering with a nonprofit positive coaching allegiance to provide professional assistance to youth coaches. Curry said the program will begin with a $1 million investment saying, quote, a big piece of the Curry brand is going to be investing into youth sports and creating a network and support around kids' participation in sports. We are starting with a one with over a $1 million investment to people, programs, products, and places. So that is our four Ps, safe places to play, court refurbishments, and investing in programs that will get kids active in a safe way in fields and to play courts and around the right people and influencers. It's amazing what Curry's doing. He's such a nice and humble person, and he's obviously the, in, one of the greatest basketball players of all time, in my opinion, the greatest shooter of all time. Under Armour CEO Patrick Frisk told CNBC's Lauren Thomas that the company plans on investing profits from the Curry brand back into youths, into the youth sports initiative with a specific focus on expanding into lower income areas. Of week 12 of the NFL season, we'll see how accurate I was in my predictions, so we covered the Chiefs and the Bucks. I, I picked the Chiefs, that, that was correct, so one out of one. The 49ers and the Rams, I didn't get that one right, one for two. Packers over the Bears, I got that one right, two out of three. Next up, 
The Buffalo Bills beat the Los Angeles Chargers in yet another close game for the Chargers, 27-17 at home to improve to 8-3 on the year. The Bills are looking like legitimate Super Bowl contenders, while the Chargers might be as good as the Bills, but they are on the opposite side of the spectrum at 3-8. Justin Herbert had a decent game, 31-52, 316 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. And um, Josh Allen didn't have that good of a game either 18 of 24 157 yards a touchdown and a pick but Devin Singletary had a great game rushing for the Bills 11 carries 82 yards average six and a half yards a carry Josh Allen rushed for a touchdown as well so like I said I'm two out of three on, on predictions next up the Minnesota Vikings edged out the Carolina Panthers by one point 28 to 27 at home to improve to five and six while the Panthers fall to four and eight Teddy Bridgewater the Panthers QB who used to play for the Vikings didn't have the best of games, 19 of 36, 267 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. Um, and the, the rest of their points were field goals. So lots of field goals for the Panthers, no rushing touchdowns. Um, three out of four in predictions got this one right. Kirk Cousins had a great game. I mean, he was horrible to start the year, but he and the Vikings have bounced back. 34 of 45, 307 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. Dalvin Cook um, had a bit of a quiet game, but Kirk Cousins really held it down. Next up, the New York Giants beat the Cincinnati Bengals 19-17 on the road to move into... Now they have overtaken Washington to move into first place in the NFC East at 4-7. and Horrible division while the Bengals fall to 2-8-1. They're obviously struggling without Joe Burrow. Daniel Jones threw for over 200 yards but no touchdowns. Uh, Wayne Gallman rushed for a touchdown for the Giants and the rest of the points for field goals. For the Bengals, Brandon Allen... Had a decent game, 17 of 29, 136 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. No rushing touchdowns for the Bengals. I'm not four out of five. The Miami Dolphins, to no one's surprise, um, took care of the New York Jets, 20 to three, to improve to seven and four. Ryan Fitzpatrick started the game for the Dolphins. I guess Tua Tagovailoa is injured, and Fitzpatrick had a good game, 24 of 39, 257 yards, two touchdowns, and no picks. And for the Jets, Sam Darnold had a horrible game, 16 of 27, 197 yards, no touchdowns, two interceptions. He needs to get out of New York hand fast so let's see how many um one for one one for two um got the texans over the lions two um two for three three out of four four out of five i'm at five out of six i'm at six out of seven right now i'm rolling with predictions make that seven out of eight as the new orleans saints destroyed the denver broncos 31 to three to improve to nine and two uh, while the Broncos fall to four and seven, obviously I covered extensively. The Broncos didn't have a quarterback. The Saints didn't really have one either, but they still decided to start Taysom Hill uh, over seasoned backup Jameis Winston um, at seven out of eight. Chiefs Buccaneers. Next up, the Washington Football Team. This is one that I got wrong. Uh, they beat the Dallas Cowboys forty-one to sixteen on the road to improve to 4-7 and seven on the year. This is an NFC East matchup, although the Cowboys fall to 3-8. and eight. I mean, both teams, I thought, were not very good. I gave the edge to the, edge to the Cowboys because they were the home team. Alex Smith had a decent game for Washington. He only threw for a touchdown, but Antonio Gibson rushed for three touchdowns, um, 115 rushing yards, over 20 carries, averaging almost six yards a carry. A carry like I said, three touchdowns. Got this one wrong. One that I... Uh, I don't remember how I predicted this one, to be honest. Um, can't say that the Indi the Tennessee Titans beat the Indianapolis Colts 45 to 26 in a shootout to improve to eight and three, while the Colts fall to seven and four. These are the two teams that each had a walk off uh, win last week. The Cowboy, the, the, excuse me, the Colts with a with a walk off field goal against the Packers, and the Titans with a walk off Derrick Henry rushing touchdown in overtime to beat the Ravens. Ryan Tannehill had a pretty good game for the Titans, and they still put up. 
He only threw for a touchdown, but they still put up 45 points. Derrick Henry went off 27 carries, 178 yards, averaging almost 7 yards a carry and 3 rushing touchdowns. Um, for the Colts, Phillip Rivers had a good game, a very Phillip Rivers-like game, 24-42, 295 yards, 2 touchdowns and a pick. Jacoby Brissett rushed for 2 touchdowns, I guess. I wonder how they did that. Did he play? Yeah, I guess he played quarterback. Um, so I'm going to say that I got that one right. I'm going to give myself a little bit of a boost, 8 out of 10. Here's one that I definitely got right. The Cleveland Browns beat the Jacksonville Jaguars 27-25 to on the road to improve to 8-3. and The Browns are looking legitimate. Baker Mayfield had a great game. Nick Chubb rushed for a touchdown. The Jaguars are horrible. But Mike Glennon had a pretty decent game, 20 of 35, 235 yards, 2 touchdowns, no picks. Despite that, the Jaguars fall to 1-10. Here's one that I got wrong. The New England Patriots beat the Arizona Cardinals. Um... 20 to 17 at home to stay alive in the playoff race at 5 and 6 while the Cardinals fall to 6 and 5. Kyler Murray had a bad game, 23 of 34, 170 yards, no touchdowns and a pick. Kenyon Drake though for the Cardinals rushed for two touchdowns. Cam Newton had a horrible game. Horrible game. 9 of 18, 84 yards, no touchdowns, two interceptions, but James White saved the day rushing for two touchdowns for the Patriots. They stay alive in the playoff race. Here's one that I I don't know. I don't know how I don't know how I got this one uh how this one happened to be honest let's see i'm at eight out of 11 right now make that eight out of 12 the atlanta falcons destroyed the las vegas raiders 43 to 6 at home to improve to four and seven while the raiders fall to six and five i did not see this coming if anything i would think that the raiders would beat the falcons by 37 points and not the other way around Derek carr had a bad game 22 of 34 215 yards no touchdowns and a pick no touchdowns of any kind for the raiders two field goals for the Falcons, Matt Ryan had a good game, 22 of 39, 185 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. Ito Smith rushed for a touchdown, and I guess the rest were field goals. Um, yeah, their kicker had a busy day. Young Ho Koo with 19 points kicking. Uh, huge for the Falcons, got that one wrong. Uh, 49ers, yeah, so I was 8 out of 12 overall. We still have the Ravens and Steelers tomorrow. I got the Steelers, so hopefully I can get to 9 out of 13. That's pretty accurate, not horrible. And that's all we have for this episode of Sean Sports Up. Thank you guys so much for listening. This was episode number 311, and I'll see you guys on the next one.